sometimes in life, it's easy to get discouraged with ourselves. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but sometimes it can be easy to get discouraged. Maybe you have some failures in your past or some shortcomings that haunt you, that come back and, and, and bite at you. And if you're not careful, the devil will use them to make you feel useless, right? Has that ever happened to you before where your past failures or your past mistakes haunted you and made you feel useless, right? I can look back in my life and I can think of all the hurts and setbacks I've ever experienced in life. And I'm going to tell you, you know what the hardest hurts and setbacks for me to get past? The hardest ones are my personal failures. Because if it's, you know, circumstances are tough, I'll face that. If other people have given me a setback, I'll face that. But when I feel I failed, well, that can just, that can just weigh on me. That can make me wonder. Perhaps you're like that. Perhaps you can relate do you ever wonder if your poor performance has ever canceled out your purpose? Right? Like, I don't know if I even have one because of, of my past. Maybe God is done with me, putting me on the shelf, so to speak. Right? He's shelving me. You ever wonder that before? If you have, th th this is an issue that we address in our story today as we continue the life of Jonah in our third part of our four-part series called Jaws, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Jaws. Jonah. Wow. We went all out just now. That's good. Thank you, Marty, for that. Uh, Jaws is an acronym for Jonah, a whale of a story. And we're studying each of the four chapters, or what we're calling the four stanzas of the story of Jonah. And in stanza one, we saw how that Jonah was told by God to go to the capital of the Assyrian Empire, which is Nineveh, and to go and um, warn them that God's judgment was going to come their way. And Jonah had no interest in warning the people of Nineveh because the people of Nineveh and the Assyrian Empire were enemies to his own nation. They were enemies to Israel. They were enemies to his people. And isn't it easy to sit there and say, I have a hard time. If I love somebody, I hate those who oppose those I love. If I love my nation, I hate those that I think are a threat to my nation. And so this is a nation that was a serious threat, prophecies that they would one day conquer the northern kingdom and deport the people. I mean, there was a lot of reasons to, as a member of Israel to hate Assyria. And God is telling Jonah, go to Nineveh, to their capital city, and preach that God's going to judge them if they don't repent. And Jonah's like, good, I want you to judge them. Take them out. They're a threat to us. Why would I care? So Jonah decides to hop in a boat in Joppa. Instead of sailing north around the coastline to land and go inland to Nineveh, he takes the boat to the, to the west instead of northeast. He goes west, heading towards Tarshish, because he's going anywhere but where God wanted him to go to help the people he did not want to help. And we reminded ourselves that God loves people that you might not like and I might not like, but God loves them, and we need to have the heart of God for people. Well, we saw that Jonah ran into a storm. God was chasing him. And at some point, uh, they tried to get to shore. He admitted his situation to the sailors. Finally, they capitulated and threw him overboard. And a great fish that God had arranged or prepared swallowed Jonah. And we, he was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. We discussed that last week, the miracle of it and all of that. And we saw in stanza number two that Jonah prayed a prayer from inside that fish saying, Lord, save me. I don't deserve it, but save me anyhow. And, and, and then as he realized God was keeping him alive, but he was not free yet, he began to praise God while still in the fish. 
and realized that God was doing something. And we're reminded that we're never too far for God to hear. We're reminded that, that it's never too late to cry out to the Lord. Never, and don't, if you need that today, if you needed that last week, remember, it's never, it's never too late to cry out to the Lord. And so cry out to him if you need to. Well, that brings us to the end of last week's stanza, uh, Jonah chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Now that's a very nice translation. The NLT, the NLT is very eloquent here. The fish spit Jonah out. It's like a little child spits out his food. But the, almost every other English translation translates that to vomited. I think a more descriptive word personally, it vomited Jonah out onto the shore. So that's kind of nice, right? Spit out, vomited. Actually, one translation, I think it's an old one, like the Geneva Bible, translated it, cast him out. Isn't that kind of cute? Cast him out. All the ways you could say vomited, it's really fun. Um, it's like synonyms. Aren't synonyms fun? In case you don't track with these, let me give you some other ones that might help you. Other synonyms to describe the situation include words like puked, barfed, <laughs> yes, launched, hurled, projected, spewed, erupted, blew his grits. I love that one. Blew his grits. Never heard this one before. Drove a truck. Apparently that's a thing. Um, ralphed, wretched, Tossed his cookies, upchucked, prayed to the porcelain god. Um, and if you're more of a visual learner than an audio learner, perhaps this would be the image you would think of right here. Uh, no, just kidding. He doesn't really throw up. <laughs> Anyhow. So the whale spit up or vomited Jonah on the shore, right? Now, if you were to look at a map, this is what's interesting. If you were to look at a map of these times, you would see this map, and you see that Jonah hops on the boat from here, Joppa, instead of going northeast to the shore to go to Nineveh, he goes west to go to Tarshish, and he gets deposited at the end of this fish ride back at the shore close to Nineveh, heading towards Nineveh. It's like he went that way by boat. He left the land to get on a boat to go this way. By the time he stepped back on land, he was closer than ever to the place he didn't want to go. Isn't that interesting? Like, like here, here he is, he's taking, he's like traveling coach. And God upgraded him to first class. No, God upgraded him to fish class. There you go. Uh, da -da -da -dum. Uh, so he gets on the boat and he's, he's traveling and God upgrades him and says, I'm gonna actually take you a different route. I'm gonna deposit you. Ah, there's a word, deposited. He deposited him uh, on the shore closer towards Nineveh. But in all seriousness, in all seriousness, and this is where we have to stop and not just read Bible stories like they're just stories and eat the popcorn and move on. This is where we got to think. What if this was us? I asked you earlier, have you ever had a failure before that you felt defined your life? I want you to just resonate with Jonah for a minute here. On that shore, sitting in a pile. Yes, <laughs> you love this talk, don't you? This is up your alley. Sitting in a, his own mess, Right? in a mess that he made by running from God. He's on the shore covered in a mess of his own making. What is, what's going through your mind? I, I imagine two things, this is my, my thought, are going through Jonah's mind. 
First of all, thank you, Lord, that I didn't die in that, in that ocean. So he prayed for, and God answered his prayer. Sometimes you pray for the first thing. God, this, get me out of this mess. But then you're, you tend to shift. Once you get past that, you shift to the next thing. The next thing would be, look at me. What a mess I've made. You been there before? Thank you, God, for getting me through it, but what a mess I've made. Sitting in his own mess. Covered and stained. I would imagine Jonah did not look great. We don't know because it doesn't tell us the details of his appearance, but he was in the belly of a fish for three days in the middle of the ocean. You ever spend 30 minutes in the, in the tub and see how wrinkled up you get? Imagine three days in the belly of a fish. Not to mention, did the skin change colors from being in that kind of environment? How disgusting and covered and gross was he, not just in smell, but in his appearance? I mean, I know we picture Jonah probably didn't come out of there, like dressed to the nines, his hair still combed and gelled over. Well, it may have been gelled over with something else, I don't know. But he didn't probably come out of there like all like looking spiffy. He probably was a hot, ugly mess from his skin to his smell to his clothes to his appearance in every possible way. And there he stands, covered and stained in the mess of his own making. And here's the thing, Jonah, Jonah found himself free from the crisis that he had faced. Now he faced a new question, where do I go from here? I rebelled against God, I made a big mess, God bailed me out, is that it? Did God bail me out because he didn't even want me to be there with him, you know, in heaven? He just says, yes, get you out of here, you stay down there for a while, I'm done with you. What is God thinking now that Jonah's made such a mess? And chapter 3 begins... By saying, verse 1, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. What's he going to say? Perhaps he's going to say, Jonah, go home. I'm done with you. Right? Jonah, you're going to be a walking lesson for all eternity of nothing other than your disobedience and failure and the uselessness that it turned into because you made a mess. What's God going to say to Jonah in this moment? What's interesting is it sounds suspiciously like what God said to Jonah back in chapter 1. Verse 2, God says, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given to you. This, this, just, this just excites me because it reminds me of something about God that we can forget in our own journeys of life. And that is this, that God never changed one bit. He never changed. I mean, Jonah changed. Jonah, Jonah ran the other way. Jonah took off to, to Tarshish. Jonah uh, disobeyed and rebelled. He found himself in a the, in the storm. He found himself in the ocean. He found himself in the belly of a fish. He found himself in the pile of puke. Okay, but Jonah, in the middle of all of that journey, found that when he came back to God, God was saying the same thing to Jonah that God had said to Jonah before he ran. That God's message had not changed, that God's character had not changed, and God's plans had not changed. I love that. If you've ever found yourself in life in a spot where you've gotten pulled away, pulled away from what God was trying to do, you've, you've walked away, maybe you got tired of it all, you stopped believing it, or you, you stopped caring, or you just wanted something else, or you just did, and you went a different direction. And at some point, you find yourself in the, a mess, like Jonah, or like the prodigal son in the pig pen, waking up and saying, what in the world? It's interesting that when you go back to, when you come back to the Lord, when you come back to the Father, he has not changed. And God was still sitting there looking at Jonah saying, hey, buddy, you may have gone on a long detour, but my message is still here. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves people. 
He is out there trying to, he was trying to save the people of Nineveh. He's trying to, he wants to bring people back to him. He's in the, he's in the people rescuing, people saving, using us to join him in the mission business. And that's the gospel. That's Jesus on the cross. And we have the same mission today. If you've gone from God at any point in your life and you found your way back, you'll find a very familiar God waiting for you who still loves you and still loves your neighbor and still loves the people that you don't love and you don't like even and still wants people to be reached and want people brought back to him and wants to use you and me to do it because he doesn't change even when we do. So he says, Jonah, same mission. Go to Nineveh, deliver that message I gave you. Verse three. This time, well, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. And he went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Now, it's a pretty big city. I was thinking about this earlier. We're planning to go to Chicago for a day this week. And I I look at the city, and I can never see the city in a single day whenever I go there. It takes, I mean, there's, you know... I try to see a lot of things, but I never get all the things I could do in the city done. I'm usually out of time or money or both, right? Um, there's so much to do. And that's with the help of taxi cabs and Ubers, right? So you go to like Los Angeles and New York City, and even some of the bigger cities of the world are not even in our country. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. It's a vast city. It took three days to see it all, to traverse the, the city, Verse 4 says, On the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. 40 days from now. Now here's what's interesting. Jonah didn't wait, didn't go in town and find a, a, a bed and breakfast, freshen himself up, get a nice meal, go to Starbucks, scope out the town, put a plan together. He, he walks into this city. This time he's on mission. This time he's on point. He walks into the city and he says, Hey, 40 days from now, Guys, I'm just entering the entire journey through this whole great place. I'm going to start from the minute I get here to let you know God is calling your number. You hear that? God's calling your number. All right. The people of Nineveh believed God's message from the greatest to the least. This is amazing, folks. The people of Nineveh believed God's message from the greatest to the least to the least, the richest, to the poorest, young, old, any class of society, they all believe God. They declared a fast. They put on burlap to show their sorrow. Now, something you may or may not know, in ancient customs and cultures, people would lament and be in sorrow or repentance or whatever it may be. They would take off or even tear off their clothes and put on burlap. And oftentimes they would sit in a pile of ashes and this was a sign of sorrow. This was a sign of repentance, a sign of grief, a sign of lamentation. And, and the people of the city decided we're not going to eat today. We're going to humble ourselves, put on burlap, and show our sorrow before God over our sin. They believed the message and they repented. Here's what's interesting. Jonah, Jonah was now seeing the people of Nineveh do what his own nation would never do. Remember the first week we talked about this in, in week one. There were a lot of prophets to Israel. Isaiah, Jonah. We can name a whole bunch in the ancient Hebrew scriptures. They all preached a message of God's warning to Israel. If anyone should have listened to the prophets, Israel should have listened, but they did not believe them and they did not turn back to God. God was warning them, guys, listen, you're going down a path that's away from me and therefore away from wisdom and you're destroying your own country and it's going to end badly, but they wouldn't listen. 
But here in this other land, this foreign hostile land, these other people are listening to what the people of Israel would not listen to. They believed God. They repented. It's amazing. Verse number six, when the king of Nineveh, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. This is fascinating. This is the king. He's going to just say, I'm above the people. I'm the one that they worship. I'm the king. He comes off of his throne in humility, takes off those royal robes, and joins the people in burlap and ashes. He goes on. Verse number seven, the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. That would sound so familiar to Jonah. Because what they just said in those verses, they humbled themselves, they prayed, they sought God's face, and they turned from their evil ways. That's exactly what the Lord has said back in the days of King Solomon to the nation of Israel that they ever wound themselves away from God and were in danger of judgment to turn to God, to pray, to seek his face, humble themselves, turn from their evil ways. Israel wouldn't do it. Here he is in Nineveh. And these people, these people are humbling themselves, praying, seeking God's face, and turning from their evil ways. They said in verse 9, who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Who can tell? Just maybe, just maybe, we'll find mercy with God. Folks, this is an amazing revival. Let's just be real. This is an amazing revival that took place in Nineveh. One of the ultimate amazing revivals in history, right? I mean, think about the, the revivals we've heard about. Remember the revivals of Ireland? Uh, many uh, years ago, centuries ago now, or Europe or the early American revivals. Most of them took place over a long period of time. Nineveh had 40 days, and within the first few days of Jonah being there, they had a revival. Massive, huge city full of people repenting and turning to God. It was such an amazing revival that Jesus himself, Jesus himself would later reference it. In fact, if you were with us last Sunday, we talked about Jesus in Matthew said, the people of Nineveh did an amazing thing here. He pointed them out. And he used it as a, le- a lesson to the crowd he was preaching to. It was impressive. Now, the revival is impressive, but can I share with you today in the remainder of our time something else that impresses me also? The revival's amazing. What I find to be amazing in the story, in this stanza, is that God still had plans and purpose for Jonah even back while he was sitting in a pile of puke. Isn't that something? Before he heard his voice, before, when he was sitting in the puke pile, God had plans and purpose for Jonah still despite the mess he was sitting in. God wasn't limited. God was not limited, right? We know this. God could have moved on. He could have, he could have said, I'll use somebody else who needs Jonah. There was lots of prophets in Israel. 
In fact, if you read, remember the story of Esther in the Bible? Remember Esther's story? How that she was raised in a position to warn the king of, uh, to save her people, and she was afraid to do so, and her uncle told her, if you don't step up, God will raise up deliverance a different way besides you, but you might be in trouble for it. But maybe God put you here for such a time as this. That was a reminder of Jonah. God wasn't limited to just Jonah. God could have raised up deliverance or revival another way. But God reached Jonah in the puke pile. And he said to him, I'm going to use you. God did not move on from Jonah Instead, he chose to demonstrate a powerful truth. He still had a calling and purpose for Jonah's life. If you were with us last week, last week we, we said this. You aren't too far for God to hear. Remember that? You're not too far. You aren't too far. No matter how far you've gone, you aren't too far for God to hear. Well, today, in today's story, in chapter 3, I want us to remember this also. You aren't too broken for God to use. You're, just, you're not. You're not too broken for God to use. In fact, God specializes in such things. Listen, God uh, specializes in using broken things and people. Your brokenness may even make you greater at meeting a need than somebody else. Think of Jonah coming to Nineveh after his experience. If, if he was not an alarming sight. Like, was Jonah more effective walking in disgusting and smelly and probably discolored and gross I mean, when you walk in the city, you notice that guy. Whoa. Listen to me. <laughs> I'm listening. Ah. You know, I mean, Jonah walks in like a, a force. He, his words and his, the sight of him. It was his sin that put him in that condition, and it was that condition that possibly made him more effective. And even if somehow he looks great and fresh, just to be able to say to people, listen, God is sending judgment. Let me testify what it does look like to ignore and run from God. But by the way, God is merciful. Let me testify of God's mercies. Jonah was so more equipped to preach this truth because of his brokenness. You say, Arlen, I, I, just, I hear what you're saying, but Arlen, I struggle because of my past. I got a past and I, I've asked God to forgive it. Isn't it funny how we ask God to forgive us for things over and over again? And God's like, I forgave you the first time. The real issue is we don't forgive ourselves. We don't move past it. So we keep asking God the same thing over and over again. God, remember that time back in 1989? God's like, we're still on that, man. But God, but Arlen, my past haunts me. My past limits me. Listen carefully. Your past is where you were then. It's not who you are now. That's all your past is. It's where you were then. It's the past. It's a place. It's a spot in time. It's who you were then. It's not who you are now. Sometimes what we want to do is hide our failures from others. We're like, i got to keep these close to the vest so no one knows and no one sees because what will people think of me if they know of my past? And I'm saying we do it out of fear or shame, but the thing that you are afraid to show may be the very thing that God wants to show off. Think about that. Not because we're showing off a past, but because we're showing off God's power to overcome anything and use us. It might just be the very thing God wants to use. Failure does not have to define you. It can refine you. Said another way, your past is not an obstacle to God. It's an opportunity for him to work. I wish today 
that all of us can believe. If you read the Bible, if you read the Bible stories like Jonah and others, you'll see a common theme throughout all of Scripture, and you'll see it through, through modern history, and you probably saw it in your own life or someone's life you know. Over and over again, we see that God often uses broken things to fix broken things. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. Jonah had disobeyed God, but that was yesterday. This was a new day, and God used him greatly. And the same goes for you, and the same goes for me today. Listen, your failures are your past. They aren't your future. See, but I just can't get, I can't move on. I just can't get past it, Arlen. I just don't think it's, it's, it's okay. I don't think God can either. Listen, listen, you're, don't lay that at the feet of God. God is not the one who can't get past your past. He isn't the one who's hung up. By the way, I want to say this about God. He is a forward-looking God. The Bible teaches us this over and over and over again. Our enemy, the devil, he's a, he's a backwards looker, looker. He's always like, hey, look at the past. Get hung up on that thing, whether it's your regrets or your anger or your bitternesses or your frustrations or your whatever it may be. Look at the past and get stuck. But God's always looking forward, saying, where do we go from here? And in this moment, in this moment of the story, Jonah's reminded and we're reminded that God is not the one who can't get past your past. He's ready to move forward. So if we're stuck, why are we stuck? So I want to give you an action step. I want to ask you to ask yourself a question. What is the thing from your past that you're letting hold you back today? If I ask that question, you probably know the answer right now. Leave it in God's loving hands. Look for new ways to serve God through it. And pray this week. And here's, I want to give you a little prayer. I'm going to give you a statement at the end. I'm going to give you a prayer right now. This is a deep prayer. It's so long. You probably get your hand worked out and ready to write it down if you want to remember it. I want you to pray this very complex prayer. It's two words. Lord, what's next? If you're someone who gets stuck in the past, say, Lord, what's next? Yeah, but God, I don't know because of what happened in, in, in this thing, and this, it follows me around. No, 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 no. God, what's next? You start praying that way, you're, you're talking God's lingo now. You're talking God's language. He's saying, let's move forward. Don't let the enemy hold you back in bondage to what happened before. Let's move forward. God's like, I'm not the one that can't get past your past, man. Let's stop talking about that. You've already talked about that. Let's move forward. Lord, what's next? Lord, what's next? That's a prayer we should pray and pray and pray until we get the answer because there's an answer for it. Let's stop looking at all the reasons that God can't use you and start looking at all the ways he can. Jonah could speak of mercy with authority. Jonah could say, folks, God's a merciful God. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I know. Let me tell you something. I was in the belly of a fish for three days. You don't come back from that kind of a story. But I'm here. Look at me. Notice how the chapter ends in verse 10. When God saw what they, they is the people of Nineveh, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. Um, I love that. Um, he changed his mind. He repented, some translations say. 
When the people repented, so did God. When they changed their ways, God changed his mind. It's interesting. And that's important for the last stanza of our story for next week. I can't get ahead of myself. Because this is going to play into one great truth to wrap this up with. We've talked about what it's like if, you're, if you've been running from God at any part of your life, chapter one was for you. God's talking to you as you're on the run. Don't do it. It's not worth it. If you found yourself already in the middle of a mess and you don't know how to get out, call out to God. He'll hear your prayer. It's never too late. And if you've come through that but you have regrets and a past that haunts you, what's next, Lord? God's not hung up. Don't get hung up there. And we have one more lesson in stanza four of the story. Before today, I want to leave you with one last thing. If you are someone who struggles with your past, with shame or self-doubt, I want you to take a very simple thought and I want you to, to speak it over yourself. And I want you to speak it to yourself when your past starts haunting you. Whenever it comes creeping up, whenever, whenever the devil's whispering in your ear or that person, that, that person comes into your life and they're whispering it in your ear. Thanks a lot, humans. Or when, or when you're whispering it into your own ear. When that stuff comes back to you. I want you to speak this to yourself. I'm going to ask you to speak this over yourself. Say this. What I used to be can turn into what I'm used to do. Hey, what I used to be can turn into what I am used to do. God can take the very thing, the very thing that I regret, and put it into practice to use it, to use it for his glory. He can, turn, he can work all things together for good to those who love him. That he can take what's meant for evil and turn it into good. That God can take what I, what I used to be and turn it into what I'm used to do. It's not limiting me. It's not holding me back. I'm holding me back. Or maybe someone's trying to hold me back, but God's not holding me back. What's next, Lord? What's next? What I used to be can be turned into what I'm used to do. In fact, maybe God can do something so amazing. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it was worth it to run. Ask Jonah if he was enjoyed that journey. When we have the, the, the mess and the scars in our lives from bad choices, we'd do anything to go back and undo that, wouldn't we? We'd go, do anything to go back and undo that. What I'm saying is this. You can't change the past. And God's saying, what's next? Lord, what's next? And as you do, you'll find that God is so amazing to take the thing that we wish we could undo and say, well, you can't undo it, but I can use it. Maybe in bigger ways than I could have used it before. Maybe even in a new lane or a new opportunity or a new something. Jonah did his greatest work for the kingdom of God after his biggest failure. Hear that. Listen to me. Jonah did his greatest work for God's kingdom after his greatest failure. So who, who are you going to listen to? What I used to be? can be turned into what I'm used to do. The very thing you regret, though not worth the scars, can be the very thing that helps somebody else, that maybe no one else can help but you, because God can use you for his glory. I hope that you either, if you need this today, it lands. And if you'll need this someday, you'll remember it. Because you have a great, big, wonderful God. And he loves you.